0: Okay, so um, let's start with this one. Um, This one is, uh, what does Jesus say about sexuality? Uh, Why does anyone else and what they say matter? So this sounds like maybe an opportunity for just kind of like something about just, you know, what what does Jesus say in general about sexuality, that whole area? I (laughs) don't know.
1: Actually, could I get a glass of water? I wanted a glass of water this entire time, but I felt if I went out and get a glass of water, Josh would have thought I was just walking out on his testimony. So I endured for you because <laughs> I, I love you, Josh. So yeah, that was so awesome. I because we've I've heard the Cliff notes. It's so great to hear the, the whole story, and it's really told you then. I tell you again. Not your uh, because of what you shared, and you shared that with all the pastors too. Um, in a particular venue, and um, um, you are the one I admire most of all the pastors in this town because of that. So, thank you so much. Um, you know, Jesus, He, um, he talks about, um, He affirms our sexuality. He says, uh, he, God created marriage good. He said, uh, He goes back to the book of Genesis about how God created. Uh, he created sex. It was His idea. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Um, we're, we're, we're sexual uh, beings, but uh, because of the brokenness of the of humanity, our sexuality has become broken. Every single person, ev- every one of us has a broken sexuality, and it plays itself out in all kinds of different ways, and uh, we're all unique as well. Um, but I know that for myself, I'll, I'll just share a little bit of my, just a little small piece of my story too. Just uh, um, I grew up in a very... Um, Great church, great, uh, uh, great, um, thank you, thank you, uh, great church, and just uh, people love the Lord, and, um, um, but I uh, I felt like nobody sinned, I mean, nobody would ever confess that, and uh, and so when I got to be a young adult, and in you know, college, and struggling with you know, masturbation, or or other kind of forms of lust, and the uh, internet was still pretty new, uh, because I'm old, uh, but there were still uh, some things there too, and, and then I got to be a youth pastor, a youth director, and I remember being a young 23-year-old, and just kind of carrying these things, and felt like I could never, ever confess these things, and uh, I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me one day, and, and say, you got to tell, you tell your pastor, you got to tell your pastor, you got Senior pastor, and who is the person I admire to this day, the more more than any other person um, uh, in the world, and uh, and so I I felt horrible, but I was going to do it. I was going to go into my office and his office, and I was I made a list. I'd sat down, I got very specific about just every uh, sexual type sin or lust type sin. I was I was going to confess not just lust, but be specific. And um, it's the hardest thing I've ever done, Uh, but I went in there and I. I went through my list, and uh, he listened. And um, he was really great, too. And if somebody ever confesses to you, uh, don't say, oh, that's not that bad. But don't do that. He, he didn't do that. He just received it um, for what it was. And uh, and uh, and he prayed for me. You know, he gave a word of forgiveness. He prayed for me, and I left. And I tell you, I, I went in heavy. I, I left. I have never felt so light and just free as I left that day. But I also thought, you know, do I still have a job? You know, I mean, just what's, what's, what does he think about me? And uh, later that afternoon in my box, um, there was a note uh, that just said, Peter, you have what it takes to be a pastor. And I've never, ever forgotten that. And there's more to my story I can maybe share a little bit later, too. But um, you mentioned just not being qualified. And just uh, uh, the thing that disqualifies you is, is is staying in the dark. That's what disqualifies you. So... And that's what Jesus says about sexuality. Well,
0: <laughs> I've moved over here. Uh, can you can you still see me? Am I am I, am I still seen? Okay. Uh, thank you, Peter. Um, I want to ask. Uh, we ha- we had one that came in here um, that says, um, "How does one move on with life after they've given their virginity away before marriage?" Have they ruined the sacredness of marital sex in the future, especially if they marry someone different?
2: I think I can speak to this one because I've been married twice. Um, and my first marriage broke down specifically because of both of us struggling with sexual immorality. And um, it's, a, it's a long story. But uh, that brokenness that that broke up my first marriage, um, was, was so devastating that I, I went five years where I wasn't in a relationship, and, uh, I had a lot of guilt and shame, and I didn't realize that God wanted to bring a deeper level of healing, and so I did all these things to kind of prepare myself to make myself feel better so that I would be ready when I, when I married finally met the right one and I I had the wrong focus at the time I thought that by doing the right things and getting my life together uh, in a surface kind of way that that's what I really needed to do to be ready for marriage and to kind of uh, get my stock high enough so I could get a good pick which I did praise God But um, it was funny because then once I was married, I realized how to to succeed in marriage is about that inner healing that really needs to happen to be connected with somebody. And so I feel like it wasn't my sexual brokenness even that had disqualified me from being in a good marriage. It wasn't that I... It wasn't because... uh, Ironically, that's not what disqualified me. It was wasn't disqualified at all. But really, God wanted to bring an inner healing to my life to make me ready for the right marriage. And uh, so, I, I feel like for anybody who's maybe they've had sex before, or they've been through a challenging relationship, or they feel broken or disqualified for a future relationship, I think what God wants to do is He wants to heal you from the inside out to prepare you. To be an amazing husband or wife, and there's going through that process of healing is essential and important and uh, and God can restore anything you 've been through and any experience you've had uh, to make you ready for that
0: thanks John. Um, had one come in here that um, I mean, I think, Josh, this was in response to something that you said, but I'm, I suppose it you know could potentially be relevant to anyone else who'd want to uh, respond to this. But the question is, um, what does it mean to do your work? Uh, can you give some specific examples?
3: Good question. Man, those are the key words. I'll even meet someone today in life, and one way I'll walk away from that conversation reflecting on it is I'll say... That person's done their work. So it's, to me, the parallel journey of, like, coming out of Egypt, salvation, and this deeper work of sanctification that I would call, in particular, healing. The truth is that not only are we guilty before the Lord and we need forgiveness, but we're also broken and we need healing. And and actually, the first ministry that Jesus led with as he went into each town was healing. So think about this, like God embodied in human form comes into your town, and what's the first effect of his presence rubbing up against people's lives? It's healing. Every person God meets is in need of healing. And so I think sometimes we, we come to him, Jesus, your Lord, repent and believe, amen. And then we just start adding growth. We just start doing good Good Bible memorization, Bible study, uh, spiritual disciplines, all good things that build up. But the truth is that when when Jesus meets us, we actually need to go down. We need to go back into our history and down below the surface so that our future can be built on a solid foundation. And so what are examples of doing your work? Doing your work would be uh, identifying the 15 most painful moments of your life and reflecting on the effect they had on you. Doing your work would be identifying your uh, 10 worst secrets and sharing that in the context of a safe community. Doing your work would be the 10 lies that you're vulnerable to believing most. Doing your work would be, um, one of the ways I did my work was I wrote down every instance I could recall ever having acted out in my life. I mean, this is like a single-spaced, 13-page document of when I was 8 and in fifth grade, when I was 11, when I was 13, when I was 14. I looked at it. Was that intended to increase my shame? No, it was intended to reduce my shame. I didn't want to look at the totality of it, but I wrote it all down, and I shared it. And And... that's scary, but but you're not going to know that you're loved as you are until you have to face who you are and share it in the context of someone who God intends to be a reflection of His love. So, like, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on in Christ. There's, like, a super inappropriate way to interpret that verse. It's like, the past is the past. No. No, God works with and in and through all that's taken place so that the you, you are in the present, is a you who stands with two feet firmly on the ground, rooted in your identity in Him. And uh, He wants to take that gospel to every nook and cranny of your life that it was meant for. And that process is what I'd call doing your work, and that's a years-long process, sexual brokenness or not. That just involves saying, "Lord, what's every corner of my life that you intended this to touch," and uh, and give me the courage, strength, and courage to work through that because it's not for the faint of heart.
0: That's so helpful. Thank you, Josh. Um, I wanted to read this one, um, and and this is, I think, just a really good question um, given the fact that we have a lot of people here in Thrive who are in relationships, a few married couples, but um, also um, a lot of people who are dating. And the question is, um, is it inappropriate to discuss sexual sin openly with the opposite sex, and if so, why? Why? And in fact, there are kind of some other questions that are kind of of that same variety, just, you know, what does it look like? What's the healthy way um, to work through or maybe not work through, depending on what the case may be, uh, this with like a significant other?
4: I'll say one thing on this, but John, when we were dating or engaged, let me know that he had struggled with pornography. He had relapsed and he reached out to, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) and he had reached out to a man who was mentoring him and he suggested that he be open with me that that was something that was in his story that he was struggling with because I didn't know that at all at that time and so he was counseled to share that with me and I thought he did a good job of doing that in a way where I felt no pressure that I had to even continue being in a relationship with him because that was an issue that he had in his life And he was really honest that that was an issue, but he just wasn't super detailed about like what that might've looked like for him. And I think it gave me a choice to know like what is going on in his world. Is this something I want to continue to walk with him in as he pursues a deeper healing in that area? And I thought it was appropriate for us to talk about it in that manner, but not necessarily in like the most detailed manner. And then I think the other thing I would toss out in like an appropriate way to the depth of our relationship it was necessary, like we were both thinking we were going to get married to each other. And um, another thing I would toss out is we had a couple in our lives who was involved in helping us navigate that conversation together. It was really helpful, um, whether that's a counselor, depending on how deep you're going. But I just like wouldn't talk about it with like some other guy from Thrive, (laughs) if I was a girl, you know, but that's my two cents.
5: I think in the, hi. I think in the context of like a dating relationship or something too, that depending how serious you are, yes, there is an appropriate place to know what am I dealing with here? What am I looking at as I'm looking at pairing my life, partnering my life up with yours and running the distance with you? And that's healthy and good to know. I think there can be a temptation though of becoming or trying to be the rescuer who's swooping into someone else's hoop to try to fix what is theirs to own. And so even Josh talked about those two words and those are important to be in tandem, which is that you're safe and skilled, that you're finding someone who's both. And so in the context of a dating relationship or whatever, you might be safe. But there's a chance that you're not skilled. And so there's really something that's helpful to know what's true here. What are we looking at? But maybe that a lot of the doing your work is coming with someone else who's farther in that lane and who can help you walk that out. And so for me to try to be like your accountability partner, like that's not going to work. That's not going to be healthy. And I think, too, if you try to swoop in and, and do that, there's like a codependent pattern that can be established where I'm okay only if you're okay and you're okay if only if I'm okay and it becomes very central to your relationship when really it may not be the main thing that the Lord is doing in the other one, that the Lord is at every juncture and in every part of brokenness or healing is just directing each of us to keep our eyes on him. And so um, I think that like Chrissy mentioned, to really be bringing in others who are skilled, others who are safe, others who are a combination of both to help put those tools in your tool belt as you walk ahead.
1: One more thing to that, too, just, I mean, I guess bringing that then into the context of marriage, too, um, where where my story continues a little bit on even into marriage, uh, for me, my I would continue to, I, w- I did eventually stumble into internet pornography. Maybe three or four times a year for me was kind of the pattern. I'd... I'd, I'd fall into it, and I would just feel horrible, and be—I confess. I had a accountability kind of partner, a good pastor friend of mine. We've been friends since Bible s- uh, school years, so kind of band and brother type. And we were just—we were just covenanted to, to confess to one another within a, within 24 hours if something happened. And so, so I'd do that, and then, but then I'd be good for a couple months, and then I'd stumble again, and there was kind of a pattern there. Um, and I—I I shared that with Sandy at one point, and I just asked her. Do you, and here's where I think, I think it's different for different couples. I think each couple is unique and needs to discern them for themselves how to, how to address this. I asked, do you want me to tell you if I stumble or hit a site I shouldn't? And uh, for you, you said, no, as long as you knew I had Tom, that I was, that you trusted me and you t- trusted Tom, that I had that covering. And so for you, that was uh, where you landed my friend Tom, his wife, she wanted to know. I mean, it, there was a trust issue there because she had not known that he would struggled. And, and uh, so that's his... So there, there's just a different dynamic there. So I think as couples, that's, you're each unique and, and you each bring kind of different history to the table as well. So um, he, that, there is some... You've got to work that through t- as a couple a bit. Thank you. Um, I wanted to read another
0: one here. Uh, this one is Can we still be saved if we have had premarital sex?
5: Can we still be saved? Yes. Yes. For sure, 100%. 100%. Jesus is in the business of making all things new. And he's in the business of renewing everything that has been worn out and reviving everything that looks like it's dead and bringing back to life dreams that we have let go of. That's what Jesus came to do. That's who he is. And that extends to the farthest reaches of any failure, of any disaster that we've created or that's been done to us. That's what he came for. So he came, he came to do that in our lives. And even if that disaster, that failure, that giving up of that territory, of that sacred space, that, that virginity, that abstinence that he calls us in holiness to hold on to, even if that happens after... We've been saved. He still says this is, he says, with one sacrifice that he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And so he on his cross said, like, I've come for all past, present, and future, and I will use the places that you bump into along the way, that you realize your shortcomings, that you realize you're totally out of your depth to bring sanctification into your life, to show you how to become more like me. Yes, you can be saved. Absolutely you can be saved. And I think that it's in those times of grieving, it's in those times of realizing that we've come to the end of everything we had planned for ourselves, that Jesus meets us in the most tender and most real ways and leads us, like Josh said about that briar patch, he leads us out. He doesn't require we do that. By ourselves, and then we can be saved, or that we are saved, and so then we can no longer make big moral failures, but he absolutely came for that, and still means that we get to grieve those places where we've missed, that we agree with him, in fact, that he sees the places that we've missed the mark of righteousness, and we agree with that, too. We can grieve that, but our shame's nailed to the cross, and that defining who we are, and what our future looks like, um, That's him. And so we don't have to keep walking in that. If we've given up our virginity, if that's something that we gave away before it was due time. Um, we don't just say, well, never mind." then anyone I date, that's fair game. Cause there was just this one time and, and I got rid of that. He, again, like I said, is renewing. He can bring that back. He can make that a sacred and special thing that when you get into the right context of your marriage, that instead of a commodity that you're trading to get what you need, that it's a place where you meet as a couple and offer yourself. So, um, Absolutely, yes. And so if that's a question that you're having, I just pray in Jesus' name right now that the enemy would release you from that question, that, that place of desperation that you would think that you would be outside of his reach, that you would be outside of his grace, that that would be too far for him to swoop in and to say, I've got you, you're mine, and it's good.
1: Amen. And I'll just, just add just, just to that, if you need any example, oh my goodness, it would almost seem like Jesus favors those who have messed up sexually, that he favors those who are who are in that place i mean who who was the first person that he appeared to at the resurrection it was It was to someone who had been a prostitute. who was the first person that he revealed that he was the Messiah? It was the woman at the well who had had four husbands and was living with somebody at the at the time, so if if anything. Uh, I'm not this, not encouraging you to to go out and ha- and be promi- promiscuous, but it almost seems like that it qualifies you more to to uh, to be saved and to even be a pillar in Christ's church. So,
0: thank you. Uh, this one is um, this one says: Is oral sex sex? If so, how far is too far? We're really not making this easy for you guys tonight.
2: <laughs> I I think the bigger question is, because I I struggled when I was younger thinking about the technicality. Like, I can do anything but sex. That was my philosophy in college as a good Christian boy. Um, I'll like, I don't care, I'll do anything but that, and then that'll make me, that's fine. And I had a really bad view of sex. And then later realizing, you know, Jesus said, you know, even if you look at a woman with lust, you're committing adultery in your heart. Um, He's not saying that to condemn us, he's just sharing that to to help us realize that God's standard for sexuality is so much higher than we could ever imagine, that uh, he's even, it's really our heart and our mind that he's, he's wanting, and so the technicality of which base is appropriate or not isn't really the question that we should be grappling with. I think it's, you know, what... How can we honor the Lord with our sexuality, this amazing gift that he gave us? How can we give it back to him? And the cool thing is that when we give it to him and we use it properly the way he designed it to be, it is so much more fulfilling and awesome. And so I would, I don't really even want to answer that question exactly. I would say that, that set your bar high and higher than you want to just realizing that it, it's actually an act of worship to save yourself for the one that God has intended to be with. And it's going to bless your future kids. It's going to bless your future wife or husband. It's going to be a blessing to the generations. Uh, I think of um, Esau who sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. I feel like that's oftentimes what we do with our, our sexuality. And just like what Dex said, there's a redemptive aspect to, to Christ and so we can always decide even after, even the moment after we do something that isn't honoring to the Lord, we can, we can decide right then and there that, no, I'm going to set a higher standard for this, and I'm going to set my sights on what God intended. And so there's always that redemptive thing. But I think if we're thinking about what can I get away with, our heart's already in, in a wrong place. And you could be not acting out at all and still have a very wicked heart in this area. Um, so I think, I think it's all about the heart and having a heart that longs for pure purity. And the Lord will bless that. He 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 wants us to to meet us in that longing for purity. So.
0: Thank you. Um, this one is. Uh, this one's uh, may address. Um, just kind of, so the question is, how do we as Christians handle sexually active relationships? Um, And, you know, I suppose that could be taken in a couple of different ways, um, ranging from kind of within the church to maybe this is something that I'm personally in. Um, But the question is, how do we as Christians handle sexually active relationships?
3: I think what I learned through this process is I used to think that this area of my sexuality was kind of like one vertical column in a couple different columns of my life. And what I had to learn what I was shocked to find out is every single other aspect of my life, how I responded to stress and joy and fear all was woven in together and around my sexuality. The different parts that make us up are all interconnected and related. And I think that our sexuality uniquely actually serves as this barometer telling us about the health of the rest of us. How interesting that God designed sexuality to be the unique, exclusive expression of covenant love, right? So, He intended us to be two whole, healthy beings walking in holiness who who will covenant together and that our sexuality is to be expressed there and that's a beautiful and powerful thing. So, I want you to pay attention to your sexuality because I think present in it are clues about your well-being, about the rest of your life. I think they show up here and they... And that it's good to, like, take a step back. So how do we handle sexually active relationships? I would just say that this is one of the most special, significant, complex, and important areas of our life. And if there's any indication at all that this is an area where there's a lack of what you have in terms of your own vision for your sexuality, then I want you to stop and invite someone into that space. And, and to answer more, not less, because there's really not much to be gained by, like, let's be sexually active but not tell anyone. I mean, I used to think that way, but like, it's like, let's just have cancer together and not tell anyone. It's just, that, that's, just that's not a long game vision. And so if the moment, whether you're early dating or serious dating, or the moment you realize, like, you're not able to walk out your vision for healthy sexuality on your own or in relationship with someone else, I would just say, it's not a context for judgment or shame. It's just those, I hope we create cultures where those people self-identify and seek out help and support. Um, I think Scripture is clear that this aspect of who you are is not meant to be shared until you have a covenant relationship where this person has promised every single aspect of who they are in covenant to you forever. That's, that's the level of commitment that God, I believe, has even psychologically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally designed sex to be enjoyed in the presence of, because sex is the most open and sharing and vulnerable we can be as humans, and it's a good thing. We aspire to that place, but that should be surrounded with wisdom and intentionality and trust and and covenants that say, I'll do that with you with some very important conditions having been met, And if i don't i will pay a price for that i will experience kind of a disjointed fracturing kind of in me and and so i want to have the best version of that and that's honoring the 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 way god gave this to us as kind of the like ultimate expression of the ultimate commitment that's not how i used to think about it i used to just think like purity is good anything over this line is bad. Try your hardest not to. Wait until you're married. Married. But I just, I've learned a lot more about healthy sexuality as opposed to just avoiding the bad stuff. And it's inspiring. And it's beautiful. And so, the greatest joy in our life has come from the health and strength that even a journey of sexual brokenness started us on. But it led to far better places than we had ever been to before. And I wish that I would have, as a younger person, recognized the clues that this area of my life, or even our relationship, is not where I want it to be. And just like you call a waiter over when you need help with something, I wish I would have said, hey, we're not where we want to be. Um, I'll receive and submit to the wisdom and direction you give. I wish... I don't wish I would have lost my job as a 22-year-old, but I kind of do. Because here's what would have happened. I would have realized this is super important. And I believe that I would have found the healing I needed if it was the most important thing to me at 22. But it wasn't. So I kicked it down a year, 10 years. And now I've got more to lose, a wife, kids, ministry, I was playing with a lot that didn't need to be lost. But the longer I went down this road, I think the scarier it was to come clean and to and it just made a decade more of like unlearning that I had to work through. So um man, it's a beautiful part of how God made us. It wasn't an accident, it was on purpose, it's awesome. So let's let's in safe and skilled places. I invite people into the present reality for that and talk about what a vision and plan towards healthy sexuality would look like for you and your relationships.
0: Thanks. Um, keeping an eye on the clock here, um, I think we have time for maybe a few more. Um, we have a lot of good ones, and we're trying to do as many as we can here. Um, I think one that we'll take was... Um, let me see if I can find it here. Um, I think the que- so, so So the question essentially was... Um, you know, what should I do if I'm sexually active within a current dating relationship?
1: I saw your talk last time in your, your Bob Newman, okay. Bob Newhart, just stop it <laughs> in the video, but um, that's not all that helpful usually, but... Um, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, how do you count, it's, um, that is the answer, however, how do you get there, it's, you gotta have some conversation, you gotta have some open conversation, if, if, it's, a, if it's a situation where you're one partner, and, and you're feeling really guilty and shame about it, and the other person is, you're not sure, um, um, uh, to you, you <coughs> seek help. I mean, I think that the fact that we're up here is, I hope, communicating that um, we're all broken people, and we're all not perfect, and uh, uh, there are folks that you can come to. Um, I guess I guess, there's really no quick, easy answer here, and so that's if you can come to someone uh, who you can, can trust to share that and know that you're not going to get heaped on with shame and guilt, um, but th- those who really love you want to kind of walk with you through that, because... Um, because it is, there is a sense in which you are kind of just doing the cancer thing together. There is, a, there's a need for for, for health for you, um, but uh, uh, but you do need to kind of you might need to to walk with some folks through that. Um, I don't anybody else have some to add.
5: Well, just in the idea that like we're the voice of your future, <laughs> so we're super young still, but like kind of older than you, so. If I put myself in your shoes and I try to think back, I would just maybe introduce the option of just break up. I just want to put that out there as like a real, legit, maybe very healthy option that you should maybe call that relationship good there and tell other people that you are in just stay away from each other. <laughs> and um, I just think that that's maybe some, someone in the room tonight maybe needs to hear that. It's just sometimes a hard stop is what needs to happen to break the cycle and to grieve what's been lost and to change the path toward the future and there like whoever you're with now like the lord might do you never know how he's going to write the story you don't know but it's there's we don't also don't need to have a scarcity mentality when it comes to dating like that this is the only person i might ever date ever and so if i let go of this to try to pursue some greater wholeness, I risk being, alike alone forever. And I validate that as a real concern, but I also validate that whoever wrote that question cares still. And kind of, as Josh alluded to, the fact that you would care still, that it would ping your heart in any way, is an indication that the Lord's tapping you on the shoulder and inviting you into a journey. And first and foremost, he wants to see you be whole, healthy, and on the road of following Him wholeheartedly for the long term. And so, anything that's worth it, that's going to make it on the long term, can pause and can wait and can be put to the side as you pursue not just abstinence, but as you pursue being whole and healthy and attuned to the voice of God in your life.
0: Thank you, Bex. Um, I'm going to combine uh, two that are kind of a similar theme Um one is how do we forgive those who sexually sin against us, um, and then kind of along with that, what does it look like to help your partner through the healing process?
3: I remember, as like a 22 year old, I watched a home video, and on this video, this person that I told you about in China, this older girl, came into the screen, and. I can only describe it this way, it's like someone threw a lit match into a 50 gallon drum of gasoline. I like sobbed in my family living room while this home video played and I sobbed off and on for the next five hours because I realized I had, I had been so confused and so ashamed and so torn up and so self-loathing for my sexual sin And I, it was almost this, like, understanding of where this began, and there was just grief. It was really sad to take an account for how much of my life had been touched by someone else's early introduction of this for me. Um that doesn't happen today. When should she come onto some screen of a home video? I'm thankful to say, I think that we forgive by taking an account of the impact that something had on our lives. Forgiving isn't saying no big deal. Forgiving is knowing exactly what the cost of that was and saying, I'm not going to make you pay for the pain of that. I'm going to give that to the Lord and invite Him to bring healing and restoration into that brokenness. And the beauty of the Lord is that what was a fault line in our soul introduced by someone else's selfishness or sin can actually become a lifeline to the greatest work the Lord wants to do in your world. So, uh, honestly, This journey is the way I came to appreciate the love of the Father to the degree I I do now. I now know that I'm the Father's favorite. Did you know that? I'm his favorite, and so are you. That's the only way I can describe what I've come to know. And do you know how I got there? Because a a 10-year-old girl that I now have empathy for that pain and trauma was introduced into her life without her doing anything, that began this journey for me. So I'm not vengeful or bitter. I'm, I actually can thank the Lord for this circumstance that brought me to the place um, I'm at today. So that's one. We have to get there, though, because that thing happened long ago, and they're gone, and it's just you here now. And so I'm not minimizing what that's going to take, but I'm saying you won't be free, you won't be free until you do the costly work of releasing that person from what they've done to receive what God wants to bring in its place.
0: Thank you. Um, I think we have time for two more, and um, try to find this one here. Um, I think, Josh, this is in reference to your story, um, but obviously this is something that can be answered by uh, others as well. Uh, It says, your story is so similar to mine, but I'm a woman. Is it different? Does it bar me from having a strong, healthy Christian marriage?
3: I don't see why it wouldn't. When I shared this with a room of 100 college students maybe a year and a half ago, 10 out of the 60 women in attendance by the end of that night had confessed to their group leaders an addiction to pornography. And so, uh, this is why I say sexuality, in general, I think is kind of this aspect of our soul that male or female, abuse or not, is just a a telltale component of who we are. And the fear is, I'm not where I want to be, so I need to hide that and fix it to get to where I want to be. And the opposite is true. The opposite is true. Like, walk toward the light. You are safe with your sin in the light. You are safe with your sin in the light. That's the truth of the gospel. And, and to the, like, I've had sex. I lost my virginity. Can I ever experience sexual wholeness or joy in that arena in my life? Or am I kind of, like, used goods? Here's the example I want to share with this. I've watched couples who who had serial infidelity be the form of sexual addiction, right? I'm thinking of guys in my group. And I, I, I know multiple examples where their sexual intimacy today is stronger than it ever had been in their whole life after the worst thing you can imagine happening in a marriage. The truth was that there was an opportunity for deeper intimacy if you would be willing to do the work that this moment provided for each person. And so if you are sexually active right now, I just want to say, you're not even close to where you want to be. Not even close. That's why I think the breakup advice is pretty good advice. You've got to step way back and go, I'm not the person I want to be where I can carry through on my vision for the place of sexuality in a relationship. So I gotta acknowledge that, step back, because that means there's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity here to go to start now, to prioritize this, to get help, and to not stop until I'm I'm there and to know God has wonderful things along that way and that you want to enter into relationship as far as possible, from f- from the healed, healthy, strong you. And so I, I'd, I'd say that uh, that's that's my. That's my answer for that.
1: Yeah, I'll just kind of add to that too. Just um, um, and I think this this goes to something that you said, Josh, too, and encouraged around this. Um, uh, what I'll say in a moment, but. This is gonna sound contradictory, but I think there's a sense in which when we're talking about things like pornography and uh, internet addiction, those kinds of things, uh, I'm gonna say at the same time, it's, it to, to, we can make it a bigger deal than it is, and we can make it not a big deal at all. And here's what I mean by that. I got to the place in that little pattern I was telling you about, just kind of this, you know, three or four times a year, just kind of, I thought, well, everybody does it, it's not no big deal. Um, to one degree, I was felt so much shame every time. I felt horrible, and and, uh, and so I was just fixated on, on that issue. Um, but then at the same time, I was kind of made a truce with this thing. I thought, well, everybody struggles with this, and it's so not just kind the pattern. And I kind of came to the place where I, I realized, kind of, I had to kind of flip it around, I guess, a little bit. I did come to the place where I did find freedom. I came to the place where I, I, I broke the pattern. I just kind of uh, uh, won't go into the whole story, but uh, I got to the place of this is serious, I have to deal with it, and the reason is not because this is such a horrible sin, it's, it's bad, there is worse stuff underneath, and that has to get to the work that you said. And once, for me, how it happened is just kind of getting free from that, and I, I did break that cycle and, and found freedom, and it was wonderful, but then, oh my goodness, I started seeing all the stuff that God wanted to deal with me, but He couldn't because I was just focused on this surface-level sin and i found that i'm more i'm i'm not i'm i'm worse than i thought i was and just the fear and insecurity anxiety and all the things that were leading to those things so uh, with that i just i guess some hope too there can be freedom god does want to set you free uh, he, he came to bring the kingdom. The kingdom is his, his good rule in your life. He is the good, good Father who says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and it will find. What He's talking about there is the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. You're going to get that. He's a good Father. He wants to set you free from these things. And He wants you to become all the things that Josh was talking about. There's the, the, the more that He has for you, that's a prayer He will answer. But that, those verses, it's all about asking and keep asking seeking and keep seeking. It's, it's a process, and sometimes it's a long process, but you got to start. If you don't start, you'll never get there. Thank you. Uh, we have time for one more tonight,
0: um, and this is probably one that, um, you know, man, it's a, it's a big question that, you know, we're not going to have time to probably fully unpack tonight, but I'm going to just read it anyway. The question is, um, how do you get through the shame and hurt from sexual trauma that's happened to you?
5: Um, first, I just, does anyone else, when Josh has cereal infidelity, just think like cinnamon toast crunch, corn pops, mm-hmm. Honey Nut Cheerios? I just think of cereal. I'm so hungry. I'm so sorry. Sorry not to make light of something really serious, but I think that part of it, uh, being on a receiving end of someone that you love, having a secret from you that impacts how you might view yourself. Um, is just like trying to really um, talk to others as well. When you're on the receiving end, when you're the partner who's been betrayed, who's been let down, who's been disappointed, who's been lied to, if there is trauma that comes with that, you know, there's a reorienting of what's true. And I think that especially who in the room right now is not married? Raise your hand if you're not married. Yeah, so if you are, too, like, dating someone or you're in a relationship with someone and you're, you know, not married and you are, like, just your own normal person with your own normal problems and they have a sexual stranglehold on their life and say it's pornography, like, I think one of the big things is that it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not, like, if you were sexier... And if some of your parts of your body were bigger and other parts were smaller and you did more of this and less of that, that you would be able to yourself do away with what's happening in the other person. And so I think just when this first came to light in my life, I really questioned, like, does this have to do with me not being enough? Does this have to do with me being too much? Does this have to do with me being not the quite ratio, right, ratio of that? And so I think really trying to say out loud the narrative I was creating in my mind allowed others who were safe and skilled to interrupt that narrative that the enemy wanted to take over and let it not stick because there's a bit of time when you realize trauma has happened to you and you're processing that the cement is wet. And so it's there... But that's really wise, godly people can help pull your foot out, your handprint out before it sticks there forever. And so for me, trying to say out loud and deconstruct the narrative of this being about me or this meaning this about me when it really had nothing to do with me at all was part of me getting through trauma of something happening to me that I didn't choose to be a part of, that I didn't cause, that I didn't have really anything to do with.
4: I mean, I'll just also say um, I had an opportunity to be in a Betrayal and Beyond group for women who've experienced betrayal, like for a year group, and then I helped lead a group for a year, and um, just being in two years around women doing their work, um, and then walking with John through his story of doing his work, and walking with and seeing stories of women and men who'd been hurt by other people in their lives. and experience trauma on behalf of others, Um, and just seeing our storyline from, like, when we were a kid to when we were, when that trauma... And Josh kind of shared a really great picture of, like, how the story unfolds. But, like, for my story was going on before some of the trauma in my life was this lie, like Beck said, that there is something wrong with me. And so I think if those thoughts are going on in that shame like some of the things from my childhood, from my family of origin, and then what happened in our neighborhood as kids, just there was such secrecy and shame around that and that lie, like there's something wrong with me that I couldn't reach out and share with someone. I think, um, I guess the reason I brought the groups is like, I just have so much respect for men, women, young men and young women who are willing to bring those secrets into the light with a trusted, close, safe friend or Um, a mentor or a pastor, and begin to do the work that's under the surface of healing from that trauma. And I think in that process, there is like freedom from that shame. And watching John walk through some of the things that have happened to him and his story, and then just continue to bring more of the shame that he just I think shame came up over and over again throughout his process but this is like the most I've ever seen him not have shame about his story and what happened and what was done to him and what he did to others and I think as you have the bravery and the courage to bring that into the light and allow others like Josh mentioned being in a group into that dark place like that shame can just and that secrecy like can't feed that shame anymore so that's something
0: Could you give the panel a round of applause? Um, Just just speaking to all of you on behalf of the entire Thrive community, just thank you so much for your courage and compassion and wisdom. Um, I mean, we just heard a lot of gold tonight, and we're just so thankful that you guys um, and your churches are churches that are, are willing to talk about this. Um, and I'm sorry that we have not had the chance to get to all of the questions tonight. There were a lot more that came in. Um, I wish we had time to talk about all of them, but we just don't. Um, so with that said, panel, thank you so much. Um, I'll let you guys go back and take your seats. And then I'm just going to turn it over to Devonte to kind of close this out in one last song. And after this, if anyone wants prayer, if anyone wants to talk about anything, um, I don't know how long our, our pastor friends are going to be around, but they're, you know, as long as they're around, can be, can be talked to in a world. as any of the other leaders here tonight.